You're listening to Mississauga Connect, presented by Mississauga Seventh-day Adventist Church. Mississauga Connect is dedicated to spirituality, vitality, and service among our members and community, growing out of scriptures that paint a compelling portrait of God. You are invited to explore, experience, and know the one who desires to make us whole. This is Mississauga Connect. You know the song? Sing with me. Thine the kingdom, thine the glory. Come on, thine the kingdom. Thine the kingdom. Amen. Amen. Thine the kingdom, thine the kingdom, thine the glory. Revive us again. Revive us again. One more time, come on now. Thine the kingdom, thine the glory, thine the kingdom, amen. Thine the kingdom, thine the glory, revive us again. We will glorify you know the song. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the King of Kings. He is the great I am. Thine the kingdom now. Thine the kingdom. All of it. Thine the glory. Thine the kingdom. Thine the kingdom. Amen. Thine the kingdom, thine the glory. Revive us, revive us again. All right, all right. This message today, if you have your Bibles, won't you turn to Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 5, and I only have two points in my sermon, but I want you to stay with me today. Let's read what God's word says. It says, and it came to pass that what? As the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Verse three. And he entered into one of the ships, which was whose? Simon's and prayed that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said to, unto Simon, Launch out where? Into the deep, and let down your for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And verse 6, and when they had done this, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their nets, their nets broke. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, this now is your time to speak to us. You want to teach us how to catch an L, but still learn a lesson. So as you now speak to us, may our ears be stopped from ourselves but be open to the voice of the Holy Spirit. May our hearts 
become mollified and mitigated as you mash down on it, but make it soft again, that we might receive your word, but not just hold on to it, but become agents of grace, mercy, and make big catches for your kingdom. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. The title of the message today is The Lesson of Losing. I love reading my Bible, and I love the way the Bible speaks to us. I don't know about you, every time I open my Bible, it speaks back to me. When I read the text found in Luke chapter 5, I see a powerful story, but I see just two points that I want to share with you today. It seems as though as we look at our community, as we look at our world that we keep catching losses. You know, I was on the phone just yesterday with, praise God, with Sister Duckett, also Sister Michelle Carter. This church seems to keep catching losses. But I want to encourage the church in the midst of our losses that God is teaching us powerful lessons. As I keep hearing As I looked at this text, I kept hearing the words of irresponsible theological rhetoric cascading past my ears. My goal as a man is to be responsible, a responsible preacher and pastor. My responsibility is not to preach well. It's to be responsible to God. You're not with me. I know because it's me. I'll say amen, amen. You could understand how the hairs on the back of my neck go up when I hear songs like, it's my winning season. You're not with me. It's irresponsible to tell anyone that they will have no losses in this season. Oh, stay with me. I'm here to let you know that you can turn your losses into lessons. And we ain't new to this as Mississauga, but we're true to this. Stay with me. I keep hearing the words of irresponsible people speak irresponsible things. And and I'm not the best in the pulpit, but I want to say I want to be responsible. And every time I stand up here, I want to tell you I'm scared out of my mind. Because I know the weight on me to preach is great. Because the need for us to hear from God is great for such a time as this. Keep hearing songs that keep preaching that we are winners, but I wanna say that sometimes we're losers. Just this week, on Monday, Toronto became losers. Maybe the Raptors won, but we lost in a great way, lives of 10 people, and we lost hope and faith in walking just down the longest street in the world, Young Street. The other day while perusing and inspecting on Instagram, I read a post that said, you will have no L's in this losing season. L's in my culture, and when I was growing up, uh, Joel would know, we call an L a loss. So we'll say you caught an L, and that means loss. Right, Jerome? Right. So when you hear me say you caught an L, understand it means a loss. After hearing this statement and seeing this statement on Instagram, my theological antennas shot up. 
My pastoral sensibilities began to tingle. My homiletical creativity began to run. I began thinking, is it possible to think that we'll have no L's or losses in this season? It's truly wise, is it truly wise to tell people that it's their winning season? While it's a positive statement, is it true? Is it possible to have some L's, some losses, and still have a winning season? Can my record of W's and W's and L's written all over it, can I still declare, even though I have L's and W's, that it's still my winning season? Or is it okay to lose and still be a winner? Can I have a winning mentality even though I see L's all around me? I'm sorry, I could not hold myself back when I looked at the Bible. When I looked at the world and when I looked at Instagram, I, I don't think that the church has its rhetoric right. I don't think that these shallow sentiments are in, in of, of songs like that, it's my winning season, are in accordance with the KJV. Are you with me? And even when I check the message Bible, it's not even in accordance with that either. I was curious of the religious leaders and the pulpitarians and the prognosticators and the preachers and the lead leaders in the church and and I was thinking to myself, have we all got it wrong? And maybe rap music has it right. I'm going somewhere. You see, Big Sean said, last night I took an L and bounced back. Oh, stay with me. He said he took an L last night and he bounced back. Wake up every morning by the night I count stacks. Now, I don't know about stacks. See, one of the best songs on, on the album, uh, see, see, do you know, you know this, this lady by the name of, uh, what's her name? I, I, I don't know her. She's, she's having a baby and she's all across Instagram. Hmm? Okay, you know her name. <laughs> so there's a lady named Cardi B. Let me speak to this side. You may not know her. Cardi B, she just released her new album not too long ago, and it was called My Best Life. Am I right? Come on now, stay with me. I'm, I'm your pastor and I look at these things too. And in this album, she, she has a song, sorry, she has a song in the album saying It's My Best Life featuring Chance the Rapper. You've heard of Chance the Rapper? Okay. Chance the Rapper and her, they open up a song with a statement like this. I'm going to read you the lyrics. It says this, I'm living my best life, yeah, yeah. I'm living my best life, made a couple M's, you know, uh-huh. Said I'm living my best life. I'm living my best life, made a couple M's with my best friends, turned my L's into lessons. You see the whip pulling up, it's like, skirt. come on. Dreams filling up, I'm like, skirt. I'm living my best life, it's my birthday, at least that's what I'm dressed like. Are you with me? Chance the Rapper, 25 years old. Cardi B, 25 years old. Yet they have more wisdom I might find sometimes than preachers from this pulpit. 
yet they might have some wisdom more than even members in the pew. Chance and Cardi B said one reason they might be living their best life is because they found a way to turn their L's into lessons. Church, I think Big Sean, Cardi B, and Chance are going to help me preach this sermon today. No, Pastor, you're bringing those influences in the church. But I want you to understand why we would rather, why some young people would rather listen to them than listen to you. Okay. See, they may be, may be living their best life because they've found a way to make what's bad look good. Mm. They found a way to live their best life because they found a way to still be productive in the midst of adversity. Our most meaningful life, our most fulfilling life, our most beautiful life, our most enjoyable life, our most satisfying life, our most pleasant life, we've got to master as Christians the art of turning our losses into lessons. I'm not asking you to win every season. I'm not asking you to be perfect and sinless. But I'm, I'm not expecting you to have W's every day. But, but I think God requires all of us is to transform our losses and learn about the L's and turn them into lessons. If you don't believe what I'm saying, just ask the Philadelphia Eagles. They won the Super Bowl last year, or this year, sorry. But if you look at their record, you realize that they lost two of their first preseason games. And during the regular season, they even lost three games. Now, I'm no statistician, nor am I an analyst of any sort. I do pretty good in fantasy football, though. I give myself a plug. But I want to let you know that I'm convinced that, that they would not have gotten ready for the Super Bowl had they not messed up in the preseason. And I'm here to assure you that you've got to be ready to take some L's if you want to have some W's. You don't really have to pray for your season, for every season is our season, Mississauga. Oh, come on now. Every season is our season. Even when it's an ice storm, it's our season. Even when it's sunny outside, it's my season. Every season, it's our season. You don't really have to pray for your season. You just have to realize that even your losing season is your season. Even your unfavorable season is your season. Even your broke season is your season. Even your sick season is your season. Even your failing season is your season. Even when your boo leaves you, it's your season. Even when your money runs funny, it's your season. Because God uses every situation to prepare us as a people for better seasons. Everybody who won took some L's somewhere. Walt Disney fired from a news station because he lacked creativity. Steve Harvey fell broke and even spent some long nights in his car. Oprah Winfrey was told that she didn't have the face for TV. Pastor Spence even lost his mother, and still today he stands faithfully. You're not with me. 
Pastor Wilson lost his father years ago, a year ago, sorry, and yet he still preaches the word of God. Pastor Mari lost his relative last year, and it took a long time just for them to find closure, but he still stood before his pulpits and preached other people's funeral while he was going through. J.K. Rowling, she was, when writing Harry Potter, she was in the midst of her divorce, and she didn't know how she was gonna make two ends meet, but she wrote that book called Harry Potter. And now today, $20 to her is like a penny. Abraham Lincoln lost every election before he became the president of the United States. L's don't mean that it's over. L's just mean something is coming and you've got to go deeper. Are you with me? I'm talking about the text. L's mean at times that you've got to go deeper and pray harder and work harder and trust God more. Are you with me? Albert Einstein was the most brilliant man in the world and he was thought to have mental retardation by his teachers and they dismissed him. This man was the smartest man alive. Michael Jordan said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. Lost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. But yet, I still want to declare he's the greatest of all time. He said, I failed over and over again in my life and that's why I'm successful. You learn more and more from failure than you do from success. When you win, you go home, you have a big tub of ice cream, you sit back, you count all your blessings and you feel good about yourself. But when you lose, you prepare better. You focus. You go home and you go back to the drawing board. You keep your eyes fixed on the prize. Are you with me? Sometimes it's good for us to catch some L's. When you learn to prepare better, you learn to prepare better and you learn that you, that, that you, learn that, that, that you, worship, you must worship better. You must fast better. You must ask better. You must parent better. Oh, stay with me. You must study better. You must practice better. You must read better. You must review better. You must Google better. You must console better. You've got to even shoot better. I'm talking to the young guys on our basketball team. It's okay to catch some L's sometime. You must research better. You've got to swing better. You've got to talk better. You've got to learn how to communicate in the midst of adversity better. You've got to ignore better. You've got to work better. You've got to negotiate better. You've got to plan better. You've got to envision better. You've got to meet better. You've got to grind better. You've got to hustle better. You've got to think better. You even got to forgive better. The best thing that happened to all of us in this church is that we lost. Oh, stay with me, church. The best things that happens to us at times is losing. The best thing that happens at times is that we don't need a winning season, but we need winning lessons. Amen. Let me say it for you. Because champions are built in the middle of a fire. In the middle of a test. In the middle of failure, champions are built. That's why I'm going to tell you, you can learn from your losses and turn them into lessons. You don't have to go to school. For some of us, our past is our professor. Our last test, just yesterday, was our teacher. 
As a matter of fact, for some of you who are the age 40, you're looking over at some of the young people in this church and you're saying, I wish I can sit down with one of these young people and just tell them. Just tell them what my life was like when I was young and the mistakes I made. I'll say amen for you, amen. And this year you're gonna have that chance. Amen. Some mentorship up in this church. Amen. As a matter of fact, we're, we're thinking because if we had told them, then they would not make the same mistakes that we made, but we're too proud. Instead, we look down on them and keep our mouths shut and let them make the same mistakes over and over again, and then condemn them that they should have been smarter. If you look at our book of life, you'll see even on the script of my life, a whole lot of W's and a whole lot of L's. My, my life is a book of ups and downs, of making mistakes. We should, we should uh, making mistakes, and, 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 and we, we should not be talking, and I put this in here, we should not be talking about other people's kids. Well, you're not with me. Should not be talking about other people's kids, because if everybody's kids were put on blast on this screen, and even the things you don't know about your kids, we would all realize that we all have L's in our closet. For if it were not for grace, we'd all be losers for life. Paul, sings, Paul says all things work together for the good of them. You're good and you're bad. When you've failed and when you've passed, your enemies and your friends. When the ocean was high and when the ocean was low, even the devil and even God, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Peter and all of his friends did not catch a fish all night. I'm going back to the scripture. And when I looked at the passage, I can say this to the church today, I can tell you how to have a good morning after a long night. Oh, you're not with me. When you look at the text, I can tell you how to have a good morning after you've had a long night. Jesus met the disciples in the morning. Oh, stay with me. How many of us meet Jesus in the morning? Oh, come on, you wanna have some wins? Meet Jesus in the morning. They met Jesus in the morning and they were tired and weary and frustrated as they were. And the advice to these fishermen that Jesus gave them was launch out to the deep and let your net down. Jesus, hold on. In fact, we've been there all night. They're saying to Jesus, we, we were there all night and you're telling us it's morning now. You want us to launch out into the deep? If you pay close attention to the actions of Peter and the actions of Jesus, you'll see that Jesus comes and he says, let me stand in your boat. And what Peter says is, all right, come on, stand in my boat. But I thought this was profound because when I think about most of us in the church, when Jesus wants to come up in our boat, we say, this is my boat. I decide how this boat runs. You're not with me. I decide where I go. You can't tell me what to do, when to pray, how to live, how to dress, who to be friends with. 
But after a long night, Peter says, all right, come in my boat. And so these are my two points. These are my two points that I want you to hear today. The first point is work. You didn't hear me. The first point is work. They were washing their nets. In Palestinian time, fishing was not what you see and what I saw on my way this morning as I passed the Credit Valley River because you do know, even Desire of Ages says this, and I'm working, working quickly here. Desire of Ages says the best time to make a catch is at night when the sun is overcast. Greg knows this. If you're going to fish, don't fish when it's sunny. Fish when it's dark because then the fish all come out. In fact, they were fishing and they weren't using what we would think are fishing rods. In fact, what they were using, young people, is they were using nets. What that would mean is that there were two boats on the water, each holding an end of the net, and they would both drag the net over the sea and come to a point where they stop and they would bring the net together and pull the haul in. See, there was an art of fishing back then and they needed to work together. See, the net was their primary way to make sure that they caught a lot of fish, and they had been there all night and caught nothing. Probably what they caught when they looked into their nets was trash and garbage. What am I saying here? Sometimes you could be doing the right thing and catch the wrong thing. Oh, stay with me today. You could be doing the right thing and not catch anything you were looking for. They probably caught trash and garbage because they thought they were doing the right thing. So if I plan to fish again, make sure that you get all the trash out your net. Work hard at pulling trash from your net. What am I saying? A lot of us have a lot of garbage in our lives. A lot of trash in our net. A lot of our nets in this church are nasty. I'm preaching a hard message today. A lot of our nets are filthy. Our perspectives about people are nasty. Our perspective about the church is dirty. Our perspectives about each other is filthy. But we got to spend some time in the morning. Come on now. Got to spend some time in the morning with the word of God. Got to spend some time in the morning clearing, cleaning, fixing, mending our nets. Just two points I have today. So they didn't catch anything because their nets were filthy and dirty. Your attitude needs to be fixed. Your spirit needs to be checked. Some of us, we need to get a haircut. Can I talk about practical ways, Pastor? Some of us need to use the right deodorant. Oh, I'm talking about attracting now. Oh, you're not with me? Some of us are complaining that we're not meeting the right people and we haven't even cleaned our nails. You're not with me. Because you say yes when I talk about spiritually, but in a lot of categories, we're filthy. And it shows up at the tables when we go and we think we're supposed to attract people. Why didn't they respond to me this way? And maybe it's because you have not cleaned your net. Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes the way we talk around people is always negativity, and we only attract the same friends who speak negative. Sometimes we wear the same mask, and we only attract friends who wear masks. Oh, you're not with me. We need to start to check our net, and it does not mean that we check it in groups. It means in the morning. Like Simon, we check with Jesus. Clean your nets. The difference between losing and successful people is successful people grind on their nets. Work on your net. Number two, number two, number two. When I look at the text, and I'm, this is it, I'm going to sit down after this. When I look at the text, I saw that when Simon got into the boat, he let Jesus come in the boat with him. Because you do know that God wants to come in the boat, right? He let him come in his boat even when he caught an L. When he was in his losing season, he helped Jesus get a win. Oh, you didn't catch that. How many of us, when we're losing, are we looking out for other people? How many of us, when we're losing, do we want someone else to win? Oh, you're not with me. When I looked at the text, Simon was willing to let Jesus come in his boat when he was losing. And when it was public knowledge that they didn't catch anything at the most opportune time to catch, he let Jesus come into his boat because he was more concerned with Jesus winning than him winning. Oh, stay with me, church. The boat didn't catch any fists, but it was sufficient for Jesus' feet. Oh, hear me. What the world is preaching is that we become winners, and then we talk about Jesus. But what I'm preaching today is that we talk about Jesus even when we're losing. That we make space for Jesus to use us even when we're not going forward. But it seems like we're going backwards. That we make Jesus the subject and recipient of all that we do, even when it feels like the waves of life are crashing on us. The boat didn't get any fish, but it sure did catch the feet of Jesus. And he got into the boat belonging, and Jesus got into the boat belonging to Simon, and he asked Simon, can, can you push out from the crowd? Can you push out from the popular things that people are doing? And, 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 and he doesn't ask the question, who on earth does Jesus think he is? He recognizes that Jesus was all that he needed. Because it's cool, it's cool, it's good to allow Jesus to hang out even if we don't let him consult with us if it's possible for him to be in our boat. So Simon allows Jesus into his boat. What's wrong with us? We're so caught at times into our own feelings, on things our own way, on what everyone else is doing around us and how our suffering is going on. And our spirit is vexed because we're so focused on our own negativities going on. But the truth of the matter is God may be testing you in your L season to see if you're willing to let someone else get a win. Simple point, simple sermon because when you allow Jesus to allow you to point you to what needs to leave your net and when you allow Jesus to allow himself to be seen when you're losing many fish will be caught and we'll all catch 
a W. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof. Only humble people will be, will be glad. Then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together for these poor people cried and the Lord heard them and he delivered them from all his fears. Help others see God even when you're losing. Be not dismayed. Whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. And so you ask me why I'm standing here in my losing season. I don't have to tell you about my loss, but it's a losing season. But I'm here to declare that my soul shall make its boast in the Lord and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me Oh, I'm preaching the word to you. Come on, preach it back. He leadeth me. Come on. And yea, though, I walk through young streets, shadow of the valley of death. Church, we will fear no evil, for he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. We're on the winning side even though at times it may seem like we're losing. Clean your nets and let Jesus and let others catch W's, even if it means you're losing, because then the face of Jesus will be seen and glory will come down and fill this earth. Stand with me to your feet if you believe in this message today. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. It was a simple message today. If you see the story of those men who stood on the brink of what looked like promise and they caught nothing but garbage. Today you stand here at the brink like the crowd did, a mass, watching, looking, looking for a miracle, a blessing in store. And I want to make this exchange to you today. I want to give you Jesus. Let him speak to you. Let him talk with you. Let him clean your nets. So today what I'm going to do is we're going to bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes and we're going to spend some personal time cleaning our nets. Let's talk to God. Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. And so we're asking, Holy Spirit, as you've seen the hearts of your people today, we pour them out today asking, oh God, that you will forgive us for the ways we have thought about catching wins. And that in exchange for that, Lord God, that you would change our minds, change our motives, change our plans, and may we be a united front with Jesus so that others might see your glory in us. Others might catch a win even if we don't. Things might go forward in this community even if it means we are held back personally. 
because we know that when this happens, that Lord, you take full control and that there's nothing else that can happen but our nets will surely break in the future. We're thankful, God, for what Jesus Christ has done in Calvary because it told us that he rested even in the tomb in the night when it should have been a W. The, the devil thought it was an L, but we were thankful because of mourning. When the morning came, an early Sunday morning, Jesus rose with all power in his hands. So right now, Jesus, establish your throne in our hearts. Establish your throne in our church and in our families. And in then so doing, may we be ready for when you come. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.